Tech marketers gather round the watering hole. Today, we are talking about buzzwords and following the herd. Gareth and I are going to be talking to Alex Weber, marketing manager, and Manaz Tajani, client services director. Now that you know the names, let's get into it. Marketing industry has, to be blunt, always been perceived as something of a, a bastion of buzzwords and bullshit. You know, if not necessarily by those working within marketing, then certainly by your average outsider. So. I'd like to kick off today's watering hole podcast with a quick game of what I like to call my favourite marketing buzzword. Okay, I'll start. <laughs> <laughs> um, Hyper personalization is absolutely my favourite buzzword. Agreed. Personalize. What more are you doing with my data that makes it hyper? Isn't it not just personalization? I kind of put it into Alex. I kind of put it in the bucket of. You know, when people talk about, oh, there's like microsites, websites and hypersites. Absolutely. Hyperpersonalization feels like it's such a clinical phrase. It feels really quite impersonal, ironically. The one for me that has jumped out is what is this about the word obsessed? Uh, I'm service obsessed. My favorite thing as well is when everyone says I'm customer obsessed, they're saying it and they're above the line marketing and they're putting all of their resource into talking to people who aren't their customers about obsession. I'd love to know how many of those people have a decent grasp on their CRM and actual customer experience in-house. That's because they're not hyper-personalised. But, uh, but I think in some ways this is precisely what we're talking about. You know, you get a word like obsessed or hyper-personalisation and somehow it doesn't ring true. It, it feels a bit buzzwordy. It, it, you know, it, are, are these people really customer-obsessed? Or they're just saying so, uh, we've already touched on actually everyone's people have already touched on two of my personal favorites, which are the whole circle back deal, which is always fun. Uh, and, uh, and also, Minaz, this is something I really, I really feel I have to ask you about because certainly it was the first time I'm, I'd ever heard it. What, what is the deal with opening the kimono? Opening the kimono, that means to reveal too much too soon, whether that's information, insight, anything. You don't want to reveal, really. See, we, yeah. so, we, 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 so we don't want to reveal all the sexiness too soon, right? Exactly. Leave leave a bit of uh, leave a bit of intrigue. I think actually, it's a conversation Alex and I have had a couple of times. I think that the, the phrase I've always used is when businesses try to give the world their entire resume in every piece of communication. In fact, that's probably not the most sensible thing to do because, frankly, people get bored. I think everything we've talked about so far really clearly demonstrates is that you know particularly in marketing and perhaps even more particularly in B2B marketing and perhaps most of all in B2B tech marketing, it's really easy to fall into that habit of creating um, yeah, and, and, and talking up the idea of new simply for the sake of being new. Is that, is that fair, Menaz, do you think? I do think that within B2B marketing in general, you know, we, we do as a, as a collective, um, definitely geared towards things that are new and shiny, particularly. Which I think is a big downfall as marketers, because we spend so much of our time marketing to other marketers, trying to do the best, trying to do the new. And we're only doing this because we know our peers are looking for the best and looking for the new. And I think our big, we would all turn around and say the most important thing to know is who your audience are and what they want. But we all instantly forget that. And it's such a common trend. From a copywriting point of view, certainly, you can sometimes feel you're writing to the marketing department that has to tick the box and approve the work rather than the ultimate audience. Do you think that actually comes down to the fact that marketing teams are spending so long trying to fight internally, improve internally, you know, to their C-suite, the worth and the value of what they're doing, that actually they end up focusing more on trying to sell to their C-suite than they do doing what's actually right 
for their end user. Certainly. I, I think that's certainly a, a, one of the symptoms. And I think we, we, we also have, have to be mindful here that marketing is not the only industry that is guilty of this. You know, um, you know, in many respects, marketing is actually probably no more guilty of creating you know, lovely new jargon than any other industry. The, the technology industry being a really good case in point. Um, but I guess part of what we're saying here is that, you know, some of today's B2B marketers are sometimes so busy looking for the next big thing for, you know, for more edge and more differentiation that, that it's really easy to start buying into the new at the expense of the now. I think that marketing is particularly guilty of buzzwords and where you see buzzwords in technology, it's usually marketers to blame for it. Be really careful here, mate. We have an incentive structure built into our business to rebrand ideas as they evolve. But that's, that, but that's our job as marketers. Mm -hmm. That's our that's job. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. yeah. Which is why we cannot get out of the buzzword trap because of the game theory of what it is that we do. If Alex and I are both going to pitch to, let's say Alex and I have a pitch to a company and year one, we have a new kind of marketing. We'll call it space marketing. And she wins. A year later, both of us have done space marketing for a year now. And we're slightly better at it. We've learned that actually we should measure this a little bit earlier. We should put a little bit more time into this. So we rock up and Alex says, actually, we've really made improvements on our space marketing. And I rock up and say, we've made so many improvements on our space marketing. It's now hyperspace marketing. <laughs> I have an advantage in that pitch process. But I think what you're making there is a really relevant point because actually and it goes in hand with what gareth is saying is actually that is our job as marketers to do and to upsell which is brilliant and i think the example you've given there harry of hyperspace marketing is when you're trying to show that there are brand new features and brand new innovations i think one of the problems we have as marketers is that we try and look as though we've already done those innovations as though we have a new way of marketing although we have spent time actually honing this perfect process when maybe we haven't done it correct to start with. I mean, a great example in the market at the moment, and I know, Minaz, we can say that they've done bloody brilliantly well, is Salesforce are currently at the moment talking about ABE or ABX, account-based experience. And actually, do you know why that is? Because as B2B marketers, they have absolutely honed and fine-tuned their ABM approach to be something new. So they're trying to share with the world, this is how you can improve on that. Mm -hmm. But... As marketers, we look at ABX and go, oh, okay, and I know it's true of so many people. Well, let's not look at ABM anymore, and let's look at the next thing we can do. Mm -hmm. And the problem is that they haven't got the first bit right yet to be chasing the next. And I think that's where buzzwords could be a detriment. To go back to the, to the previous question, is this absolutely, as we've just discussed, is this an instance of marketers or B2B marketers um, you know, kind of throwing the baby out with the bathwater a bit, you know, are, are, you know, are, are we buying into the new at the expense of the now? I guess, I mean, it's a tough question, but I, I think to the point that Harry you know, was sort of outlining earlier is that, but when you're working in an industry where actually the new, the new gets attention from a technological perspective and from a, from a buyer's point of view, when the new starts a conversation, I don't blame the industry for slipping into that when it comes to marketing as well. But I think what separates, this is controversial maybe, but what separates the good marketers from the bad or the 
good agencies from the bad, to Alex's point, are the ones that put the time, effort, understanding and test, test, test when it comes to those particular innovations, technology, creative, all the kinds of things that are pushing marketing forward and evolve it to the new thing rather than necessarily just jumping onto the new thing. Um, And it's too easy to just grab a new term or a new idea or a new piece of technology and chase. It's like, like kids playing football, right? You know, they just follow the ball wherever it goes around. There's no thinking necessarily strategy or, or kind of, uh, or game plan for, for the whole, whole piece really. What we're saying here ultimately then is, you know, there are lots of marketers, lots of B2B marketers that can talk the talk, but you really have to be able to walk the walk. So you can have that conversation starter. You can open up with ABM or ABX or AB anything you like, but ultimately you have to be able to back up that conversation starter with some substance. Absolutely. And which is, is, which is innately part of what we do as marketers. As you say, you know, you have to be able to walk the walk, but our jobs are to talk the talk. You know, and other people are the ones doing the walking. <laughs> <laughs> the question was, are we jumping on the new at the expense of the now? Okay. And uh, Manaz uh, mentioned evolution. I think this is important because there will be two types of innovation. We will say evolutionary innovation and revolutionary innovation. I'll use some metaphors. Oh, I love your metaphors, Harry. Go for it, mate. <laughs> Thank you, my man. That's, 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 that's a little bit of pressure, actually. All right. For this metaphor, we will be going back to the, the mid-1800s which was when the combine harvester was invented. If I was in the 1800s and was, instead of marketing, choosing to become a farmer, the combine harvester isn't a buzzword. And it would not be sensible for me to go, first of all, I must master the way of the, the horse and plow, you know. I've, I've really, before I move on to the combine harvester, I've really got to make sure that I've got the foundations correct. I need to make sure I've got, I've got my, my, my donkey pulling plow action on lockdown and then I'll progress to the combine harvester. That is not the way to do things because there are, there are some technologies that come along that make the previous ones irrelevant. However, this happens also in marketing. My mother, not a farmer, and by the way, we're back in 2020 now for this metaphor, she has, over lockdown, taken rather a fondness to growing tomatoes uh, and, she, and she, you know, she shows them to me. She's proud of how big and red they are. Now, my mother could probably get larger, maybe redder tomatoes, should she start with genetically modified tomatoes. But she would be wrong to, to make the jump at the moment to trying to genetically modify her tomatoes because the tomatoes she's making are great. Everyone in the family likes them. It's a lot of effort to begin learning that. And you know what? It might happen that in the future, in not very long time, the kind of the appeal of genetically modified tomatoes goes the other way. I hope that works. What I'm trying to express is, is two examples of, of chasing new technology only one of which is at the expense of the now quite it's if, if i may it's quite a convoluted analogy and yet it's perfect we're trying to move the conversation on in some ways we kind of forget about today's conversation in favor of tomorrow's 
and are we saying that because audiences and because the channels and what have you are becoming more sophisticated and fragmented and discerning, that marketers marketers must necessarily have to follow suit? Well, I'm saying there's some things that you need to drop everything and get on that. And there's some things where you need to think we need to do what we're doing and succeeding. Yeah, I mean, I think that, I mean, if, if, you know, to, to bring this back into down to earth into sort of more the ABM world, which is where I spend a lot of my time. You know, there is definitely, if we look at the last couple of years, uh, and, and again, back to the point of, of sort of the new, the new and the now, you know, things things crop up and themes and, and technologies come out. So, you know, there's all of a sudden there's intent monitoring and everyone's going mad about, you know, every ABM program should have intent monitoring into it and intent, intent, that's what it's all about. Can you talk a little bit about intent, intent monitoring just, just for the benefit of the audience? Yeah, no problem at all. Yeah, so there's a lot of platforms out there that essentially track every uh, all, all users their download of, of different content piece of content and their search articles and their search terms and essentially the digital signals if you like or intense signals that you're throwing out every time you're using uh, you know you're, you're surfing online or doing whatever you want to do and what we look at is plugging in groups of companies and what we can do is we can actually monitor at the company level the types of topics that are surging and spiking amongst uh, a whole range of taxonomies or, or different keywords. So put this into an example, if you are selling devices, if you are selling um, you know, the latest uh, laptops, then you can punch in keywords to look at modern technologies, laptops, you know, devices, work anywhere. And then it will throw up all the companies that seem to be showing and downloading above average an amount of content. So if I was going to start my marketing, it would make sense to start there. So obviously building a cluster of, of those people that are showing more of an in, intent to research and, and procure. So, so are we talking about, and, and this is slightly tongue-in-cheek, are, are we talking about hyper-SEO? Gareth, we need to trademark that just before somebody steals us from the podcast and, and see that all over the <laughs> Hyper-SEO. Um, hyper-SEO, yeah. yeah. So but things like people were, you know, an intent monitoring platform is, is a must for every ABM program. And then everyone starts to realize that intent is a reactive strategy. So you're only ever reacting to somebody's uh, actions online. But actually, ABM is really about being proactive. It's about bringing a conversation to your customers before they know it's a problem. As is all great marketing. As in my all view. great marketing. So, you know, intent has its place. Absolutely. But what I'm saying is that the market jumped on intent and then all of a sudden it's like, well, it's not all that accurate. And also there's a better way. So maybe it's not as important. Then personalization comes along. Oh, it's all about personalization. All of a sudden personalization becomes hyper personalization. Then it becomes creepy. So lots of people in their ABM programs are, are now sort of, you know, teetering the line between what is what is a, a, an acceptable amount of personalization. But for us as an agency, our stance on personalization is about relevance. That's what it's about. It's about delivering relevant content in a timely way to the right person. It doesn't have to have your name at the top of a web page. I mean, that's 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 the ABM programs we were running 10, 15 years ago. Absolutely. And it doesn't have to be badged as personalization or hyper-personalization or hyperspace no. personalization, no. so long as it's so, so long as it is relevant. Exactly, exactly. And I think the point of the industry is a little bit guilty. And I think we should all put our hands up. And I think we all should do that humbly, of course, is that we uh, is that, that, that we do jump on these terms. And as quickly as we jump on them, we kind of make them a little, we evolve them, but actually we sometimes make them a little bit redundant. And I, I, I feel sorry a little bit for 
marketers and a- people getting into ABM now that it's actually a huge minefield of exactly where do I start and where do we where do I you know where do I finish and how do I approach it so, and just to just to throw another term into there which actually you know sometimes we're creating these terms to say the bloody obvious if you excuse me <laughs> like contextual contextual mm-hmm. advertising you know to me in media exactly what you just say when actually this is what's relevant we're only putting your spend where it's relevant for customers mm-hmm. advertising should have been doing that to start with so it's almost overwhelming the marketing community having all of these words that just explain what we should be doing in the first place like contextual is a big one yeah, for me because it makes so much sense and it's a great term but like you said people coming into the industry or it makes our jobs without going slightly off piece it makes our jobs i think as, as an agency a little bit more difficult when we bring people on board and through the ranks and we want to skill them up and shape them in a way and, and it's like where do you start and <laughs> there's just so much to learn that's ever growing but actually there isn't because if you bring it back to basics a lot of it is the fundamental defining principles and the rest of it is a lot of buzzwords really there it is i'm, I'm, I'm just going to quickly throw everyone a curve here what for what for you guys particularly in the context of this conversation and in the context of buzzwords and bullshit and what have you what today is the difference between marketing and sales and advertising i am married to a salesman i am a marketer there is a very big difference between a a sales cycle that i would think to take them on that includes marketing that softens it up compared to what he would do So I think when it comes to talking about a difference between sales and marketing, marketing to me looks at the long term, looks at what you're doing with building a brand and looks what story you're looking to tell in the future, regardless of the products that are there. It's looking to make that story complete. Whereas a salesman is looking at the now. He's looking at what can I get? What's going to impact my bottom line? Where's my commission coming from? And to me, sales role in marketing is obviously so important but without us there and advertising being there so advertising I think to me is almost the bridge between the two advertising is getting the sales getting what the salesman needs in front of the people he needs it to at the time he does marketing is the one manipulating that message to make sure that it delivers the end game I like to think of it like this that essentially a sales a salesperson or the sales function is who they buy from Marketing and advertising is what they buy into. Our job is to lay the track and to lay the engaging framework of advertising and stories and messages and value all the way in the vision, vision, well, sorry, I suppose the horizon of those customers to make sure they, they understand and land that message. And they are completely bought into that brand and they know that brand and up to a point they may even like that brand. The salesperson is then the, you know, the, the the closer, if you like, who then picks that conversation up and builds on that and is the human face of marketing. So uh, the best salespeople I've ever met absolutely understand the value of marketing. And they they know that it's not something that they can do or need to do because they are the human embodiment of what that story is. So we spend a lot of time bridging the gap between what marketing is doing and what sales needs, and also the story between the two. And I think for me, the point, just to interject, sorry, is that, and the difference between marketing and, ad, marketing and advertising is I don't think there is any. There used to be, 
but I don't think there is anymore. So in the interests of, you know, of starting to tie things up then, how do marketers and their audiences and how do, how do they contextualize all this stuff? How do, how do we sort the wheat from the chaff? How do we tell the brains from the bullshit? It's always like a double-edged sword because I think the marketers listening who relate and understand this will be so on board and so behind it and thinking, yes, this is absolutely everything I'm listening to and it would be great to talk to people of the same mindset who aren't constantly looking forward and the people who are listening who are and also rightfully thinking, if we don't put a new term on it, we're never going to move the industry forward. Mm. I'm stuck. I, that's how I'm stuck. And Manaz, I think from your point of view, it'd be good to know if a client came to you and said, right, well, I've heard about brilliant things mm. in, with the word hyper attached to it or with the word obsessed attached to it. What would you tell them to do? That conversation actually happens a lot more than potentially we think um so we do get approached with that that sort of that sort of discussion but the thing i would say is that and where we as people and teams try to take a more consultative approach with clients where we're not here to tell you exactly what you need to do we will take you on a journey and uncover and uh, of where you where you need to be based on your objectives based on all the you know the budgets the the what are you trying to achieve who are you trying to go after and start at the end goal and once I think you start at the end goal of what you're trying to do in anything, you can then roll it back to devise a, the best course of action to get you there. Otherwise, you know, you're trying to, I don't know, to use a metaphor, you, you, you're trying to trying to buy a map for a destination that you don't, you haven't decided on yet. And it's like, well, which map do you need? And it's, it's it, you've got to start at the end. And I think in terms of trying to, trying to claw your way to some sanity through everything that's going on in 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 particularly marketing as a whole in the industry and and specifically abm i think it's talking to the right people you'll get the right trusted advisors around you and the right sources of information but it's 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 testing it right run with your gut feeling if you think it's right test it give it a go if it doesn't work you're going to learn something along the way and then and sort of you know involve it and move it and move it forward um and that doesn't mean chase everything that's new but try some things out. Try something that's logical. Clip it together. Test it. Push it. If it's not working, find out why. You know, use the data. It's all about insights and data, right? Understand why this is not working. Talk to people around you. And I think the, the sort of the way I, you know, if somebody was to sort of sum up, like you know, as a marketeer, what what is your advice of what we should be doing? For me, is listen to the innovation that's out there. And foster it in a way that works for your ABM objectives and let the industry and all the bloggers call it wherever they want afterwards. So is it reasonable to say then, you know, again, going back a little bit to what we talked about earlier, we talked about, okay, it's all very well being able to talk the talk. But you need to be able to walk the walk and but is talking the talk, walking the walk. And I, I don't really know. I, I think it's going to be pretty evident as with, as with any field of expertise those marketers or those agencies or those people that can only talk the talk and can't really do the business, you know, but don't really have anything to back it up are soon going to be found out. It, it, again, is that fair? I think there's some, you know, in the industry, there's, there's, a, there's a breed of very, very smart people. And these days there's information that's so readily available. I think it's easier more than ever to, to kind of you know, identify when the, results, when the results don't land and, the, you know, the talk stops you know what are you left with yeah i'd absolutely agree as well and i think there's this is definitely something we can cover in another podcast for sure but there is the difference between the smart marketers who are doing it for the right reasons and 
the marketers who, as a breed, it's Nate and us, are trying to stroke their own egos. I can't help but have the inkling that a marketer who can talk the talk but cannot walk the walk survives slightly longer than one who can walk the walk yeah. and not talk the talk. Yeah, I think that's, that's, probably a very, that's probably a very good point. Let's have a conversation about egos next week. How then can, can marketers move from being trend talkers and become trendsetters? I think, oh, I think Manas actually answered your last question about becoming a trend talker or a trendsetter. Like, do the research, look into it and try. And if you succeed and your peers are there asking for your advice, give it. And then look at being the person who shares that in a good way, not hyperspacing it back to what Harry says. But I think intelligent marketers are the actual trendsetters. I think the trend talkers and the people looking to it will quickly realise that they're making the wrong decision. The people that are setting the trends are the people that are listening to the innovation and fostering it in the right way that works for them. If I may, let's say this wasn't a podcast. Let's say we've been having a meeting. And uh, in the meeting, at the conclusion, as we're concluding now, we say, all right, guys, we are going to, as a agency, move away entirely from this buzzword and jargon fueled marketing. That is not us anymore. We are taking an entirely new approach to this. Once we've made that decision, the next decision that we're going to make is, OK, what do we call this new type of marketing? Which, which, which automatically um, places us back in the area of bullshit. Exactly, exactly. So, so, so in, in summation, don't follow something because it's trendy. Follow it because it works. Keep your wits about you. Don't, you know, don't believe something just because everybody's saying it. You know, do your homework. Use, use your brains. And following the herd might not be right.